0: Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order.
1: Less than 100 of those studies have looked at how does this pill affect a woman sexually? How does it affect her mentally, emotionally? And there are very few on how it affects you physically. It's mostly all the research is done as to how it works to prevent pregnancy.
2: Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hello everybody, welcome to the show. Today, I've got Keith Bell with me. Keith is the founder and the clinical director of the Oriental Medical Specialists in Richmond, Virginia. He has more than 16 years of clinical experience using acupuncture, herbal medicine, and functional medicine to help women and their partners to successfully conceive and maintain healthy pregnancies. Ten years ago in 2005, Keith developed his Conscious Conceptions program to educate patients and promote an integrative approach to reproductive medicine by providing holistic preconception planning to patients and actively working to help coordinate patient care with other practitioners. Keith is deeply committed to providing education and inspiration, which is why we have him on the show today, and we're going to talk about the entire reproductive cycle from menstruation, birth control, to menopause. Keith, welcome to Everyday Acupuncture.
1: Thank you, Michael, I'm excited to be here.
2: Yeah, it's good to have you here. Now you hail from Richmond, Virginia, but right now you're in Vancouver, British Columbia.
1: I am, I am here in the beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia for the world's first Integrative Fertility Symposium, at which me and uh, my colleagues were speaking. And it's interesting to be here because it was in, you know, 10 years ago you mentioned the Conscious Conceptions Program. I was here on vacation, and I had been working in the field of infertility for about five years, and I was just lying in the grass here in Vancouver, and I thought, hey, there's got to be more to this medicine than just treating people who are already diagnosed as infertile and anxious and are having issues, and me and my uh, partner and business partner started coming up with the idea of of preconception planning and a holistic approach. And we took, um, I had been teaching uh, consciousness studies at a university, and I studied philosophy before that. And we said, you know, what if we combine the field of consciousness with fertility and have this whole holistic approach to preconception planning? And fast forward 10 years later, I'm back at the same place lecturing on what we've been doing for the last 10 years. So it's exciting to be back in Vancouver, and it's excited. I'm excited to be on your show. Thanks.
2: Wow, fantastic! You know, it's amazing what can happen when we're just laying in a wide open field and letting our mind wander, huh?
1: It is, and I think I'm going to go back and do that again today when we're done with the show.
2: <laughs> it's kind of like uh, you know future planning for your business that way, huh?
1: Exactly. This is this has become the place now. You know. It happened what good for us once and now I come back every other year and just just be. So it was interesting to be here working this time, but yeah. um, it's also inspiring to what's next.
2: Okay. So you, you just mentioned something that really caught my attention and it's it's something that we hadn't talked about before. Um, but it you know, it fits right in with our discussion today. You're mm-hmm. talking about the use of medicine and the use of consciousness right in creating a preconception tell us more about that you're the first person that that i've talked to that wasn't just looking at medicines and what's in the blood and what the period looks like you're talking about consciousness as part of the process can you unpack that a bit for us Uh,
1: oh now i'm being put on the spot but i'm going to do my best that's what you know i'm really delving into next and i'm going to be in paris in a month to really just kind of germinate this idea of consciousness and fertility. I mean, in the past, as far as we took it, is that we, we wanted to do a holistic approach. So physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and relationships. That's what the theory of holism has to say about um, any type of medicine. And so in the infertility field, we spent so much time Focusing on the physical and the mental and the emotional, but we left out the spiritual and we also left out the connection to uh, the people around you, your work, your um, your environment, the world as a whole and you know in consciousness studies there's these levels of consciousness that as a meditator or as a spiritual practitioner you you become really keen on you become aware of and so what we wanted to focus on is, all right, suppose you take fertility in conception past just the physical. Um, where does it begin? Does it begin with a thought? Um, you know, my teacher says that the moment that you have the thought, I want to have a child is when you start preparing. In India, there's a saying that you become a parent three years before you conceive. So, I started looking out at when does conception occur, because we really don't know. And what is the mind field In biology, we, we, we look at energetic fields now and morphic resonance. And I'm looking at just these ideas that there's something greater than us when, as a human, And when we come together, so when systems come together, you know, holism says that we're more than just individual parts of the system. So we're looking at everything from how does thought affect pregnancy. I mean, we know now that we have something called uh, uterine programming and that it's been shown that the emotional... Aspect of a person is stored in their body for up to two years and that circulates in the blood We know that from Chinese medicine, so we know that our thoughts can actually affect our children And we also know that what we eat can affect two generations later So what you consume while you're pregnant not only affects your child, but your grandchild So we know all of this stuff Now, my next step is to actually put down a concrete idea of how conception occurs by utilizing uh, the different stages and levels of consciousness. And I'm not there yet, but that hopefully next time we talk, I can give you a better understanding.
2: Well, you know, it's funny, in a way, as we were beginning this conversation, you were describing for me an experience that you had in Vancouver 10 years ago. Where you had this idea come into your mind, and now ten years later, you're completely manifesting that experience. Uh, so, I mean, you're you're emblematic. You know, you're the guy to do this work. You're you're doing the work.
1: We're trying anyway. You know, um, I was here at the at the conference, and there were many great speakers, and and one was actually touching. On consciousness, and for the first time at a at a medical symposium, that, that I see somebody you mention consciousness, and and here we've we've been talking about the difference between knowledge and science, and and the speaker definitely had had the knowledge of it but couldn't articulate it into science which i can't yet either but um... that i feel like is what's next is to take all of this information and make it understandable to to a western mind sure
2: well and, and you bring up the concept of morphogenic residence, which is really cutting-edge biology isn't it
1: it's cutting edge it's interesting how long it has been around you know oh my god i just realized that uh, i met him here in vancouver 12 years ago, uh, I, Rupert
2: Sheldrake. Oh, you met Rupert. I was about to bring him up. He's the guy that I first started cottoning to this whole morphogenic fields thing with.
1: Exactly, and I just realized it was here in Vancouver that I met him and his family 12 years ago, and I completely put that in my mind. Vancouver must have something, something must happen here for me in my, in my uh, work.
2: Well, it sounds like it. I wanted to talk with you in particular. This is slightly to change the subject, but but not too much because now I've got a whole new direction to think about here. But originally we were having a talk about birth control, natural birth control, the pill, the effect that the pill has on women. And now I'm curious about how the effects of synthetic hormones, um, or maybe I should say what the effects of synthetic hormones might be on these uh, morphogenic resonant fields. Maybe a good way to start would be just looking at at birth control. Horm- I'm going to say, and I'm going to say hormonal birth control, right? The pill, right. because this is very frequently what women use. I want to ask you, from your point of view, with the work that you've done, how you see the effects of the pill helping or hindering women in their process of conceiving. Well,
1: it's interesting that all of this is coming together right now because, you know, it was my my um, interest in consciousness studies that actually got me interested in, in endocrinology and then this fascination with oral contraceptive pills. You know, that's in Western in terms that what they like to call it is the oral contraceptive pill, which is hormonal birth control taken orally because we're finding that Um, Hormones, when taken orally, act differently than if they're applied in a patch or if they're inserted in the body. All of them can have side effects, but, um, you know, there's over 100 million women worldwide right now using the oral contraceptive pill, and 82% of American women are using it. And there's only been less than 100 studies. So 44,000 research publications have been done on this oral contraceptive pill, but less than 100 of those studies have looked at how does this pill affect a woman sexually, how does it affect her mentally, emotionally, and there are very few on how it affects you physically. It's mostly all the research is done as to how it works to prevent pregnancy, but You know, of all of these women who are taking the birth control pill, over 80% of them are still using condoms to not get pregnant. So Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. hang on a second. 80%? Over. Over 80% are still using condoms. This is a curiosity. What's going on here? What's going on?
1: Well, several things are going on. One, a lot of women do not correlate oral contraceptives as contraceptive. They don't, they don't go on it for birth control. I mean, women, and quote, when I see patients, they say, I was put on the pill by my doctor. So I always ask, why were you put on the pill? And. You know, very rarely is a 12, 13, 14, a 15-year-old put on the pill for contraceptive. They're generally put on the pill because they have painful periods, they have headaches or migraines, they have acne, and acne is a big one, or it's just the thing to do. I mean, right now, we have what we, we, we realize that there's something called pill shaming, that because so many girls are on the pill, it's shameful not to be on the pill so a lot of number one they they're on the pill for another reason number two they don't even realize that it prevents pregnancy and number three you can still get diseases so you know the big fear right now it, and its cultural some girls fear getting pregnant but the majority of them depending on what race they're they are uh... fear uh, disease, and we hear it over and over when we interview young girls that the birth control does nothing to prevent disease.
2: So they're concerned about sexually transmitted diseases. When you say disease,
1: right? Sexually transmitted diseases, and and they have
2: yeah. the the erroneous thought that it will prevent sexually transmitted diseases.
1: No, they're using condoms because their fear is a sexually transmitted <sighs> disease. Okay, so they're already sense. on the pill. Some of them not knowing why they're on it, or, but they're using the condom to prevent diseases. So if you have this huge population on the pill and then over 80% of them still using condoms, it's no longer used for birth control.
2: Well, I've certainly seen this in patients that I see. There are a lot of women on the pill, for reasons that you already detailed, they've got hormonally related headaches, it's for acne, or they've got a, an issue with their period. And so when they go on oral contraception, it forces the period to march in a very lockstep way to the hormonal tide that's tied to the pill.
1: Correct. Right. Or it forces bleed, not necessarily a period.
2: Could you unpack that for us? What's the difference between bleeding and having a period?
1: Well, it's interesting. We were um we were talking about this at the symposium this weekend and um I was giving a speech with the reproductive endocrinologist that I work with. And so, you know, the, the oral contraceptive pill are two hormones, a form of progesterone and a form of estrogen. And it's designed to suppress ovulation. So its only job is to suppress the ovulatory function in a woman. And so what people are told by their... OBGYNs most of the time if they have irregular periods or they have breakthrough bleeding or they have painful periods. They're told, we're going to regulate your cycle by giving you this pill. The bleeding that occurs is just, it's, it's a breakthrough bleeding that changes when they change the hormones in the pill, but the breakthrough bleeding is just to psychologically make a woman comfortable. And so, we, I, I'm in the South, and so my, the reproductive endocrinologist said, you know, Southern women <laughs> want to know that they're having a period. They like to bleed, so you have to have this consistency. So once a month, there's a bleeding that occurs. That's what we call a breakthrough bleeding. It's not shedding the lining, which naturally occurs in a cycling woman. So it's mostly designed so psychologically, it feels like you're having a period, but basically you're not regulating a cycle at all. You're suppressing a cycle. You're suppressing ovulation. And when you suppress that ovulation, you're suppressing two hormones, uh, FSH and LH, luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone. And those hormones, all of your hormones, have a physical, mental, emotional, and we suspect spiritual aspect to them. When you suppress certain hormones, what you're doing, you're suppressing two of them by taking the oral contraceptive pill, then you also suppress that aspect of the person. And I know we're going to develop that, this topic in the conversation that we're talking about. But the main point that I wanted to make is the pill does not regulate your menstrual cycle at all. It suppresses it. And we know in Chinese medicine that a suppression is a stagnation. Absolutely. Once one aspect of us becomes stagnant over a long period of time, then it's going to affect the whole
2: system. I want to get into this aspect of the emotions and the spirit and just the the relational aspects of the pill. But before we do that, let's talk a bit about the difference physiologically. This is just like Western Science 101, right? Right. The difference between a uterine lining that sheds on a regular basis and a uterine lining that doesn't shed. What could go on here long-term if you're not shedding your uterine lining?
1: Well, if you're creating a uterine lining and you're not shedding it, the cells in the lining become pathogenic.
2: Again, we're looking at stagnation-causing illness.
1: We're looking at stagnation-causing illness. Now, in Western medicine, if you were to see a reproductive endocrinologist or a OBGYN and you have not shed your lining in six months they're going to be concerned that it's going to turn to cancer. There's no life to those cells, and those cells can start transforming themselves into harmful cells. So I know that the doctor that I work with, if a person comes in with polycystic ovarian syndrome or an irregular cycle where where they only have two periods a month, you know, we go in there and we start biopsying uterine cells because we want to make sure that they're still healthy. Now, as far as fertility is concerned, those cells are not healthy. They're not life-giving. Implantation is not going to occur. So, if you're not shedding your lining on a regular basis, you're going to develop things like cysts. You're going to develop things like fibroids. You can develop certain types of ovarian or uterine cancers. You can develop endometriosis, you can develop autoimmune disorders, allergies, because these cells that should be shed or taken out of the body are now seen as invaders, and so your body is going to start attacking them because the body knows it's not supposed to be there, and we'll see, um, we'll see autoimmune disorders developing.
2: That's a really interesting connection, the autoimmune disorders piece. I've got a burning question here, and it's a little embarrassing because I'm showing my ignorance about the pill here. But, uh, hey, we're here to learn something, right? We're here to
1: learn something.
2: So women that are taking oral contraception, are they laying down a lining to their uterus or what, what's going on here?
1: Uh, generally, no, they're not because what happens through the majority of the hormones that are in the pill without going into the whole complicated how they're transformed Basically, what ends up happening is by taking an oral contraceptive pill, the body starts producing more testosterone. You know, we think of it as we're putting estrogens in the body and we're putting progesterones or progestogens in the body. What happens through a transformative process is the body itself starts producing more testosterone, which is more of the male-like hormone. So no, they're not making the lining the way that they should if they're normally cycling.
2: So my concern was if a woman's on the pill, she's laying down a lining, but not shedding it, you're going to get all this stagnation and and possible pathology as a result of that. But women on the pill, they're not even laying down a lining here.
1: They're not laying down a healthy lining, correct?
2: Okay. Not laying down a healthy lining.
1: Right. I mean, there'll be some lining, but as far as we're concerned, when it comes to fertility, you're exactly right. They're not laying down a lining. Okay. And then... You have to remember too. So there's a new diagnosis out there called post-pill syndrome. You're going to hear a lot about it. It comes from functional medicine, and you know there's a difference. And this is what our talk was about this this weekend: when are oral contraceptive pills useful for fertility, and when are they're not? And so there's something called post-pill syndrome that we'll end up talking about later. But mm-hmm. that's a cascade of conditions that happens with long-term usage of pill, of the oral contraceptive pill. The thing is, is we don't know what long-term usage is yet. It's very controversial. Some studies you'll see five years, some studies you'll see 10 years, and some studies you'll see 12 years. But here's the thing, in my fertility clinic, we see people who've been using it for 20 plus years. We know, we know when you use something for 20 years, That's long-term usage. We don't even have to argue about the five years. But we are seeing issues that arise with five-plus years. So I think the definition of long-term usage is going to end up being five years.
2: Okay. Since we're on a roll with this, talk to us a bit about what post-pill syndrome is and the kinds of problems that you see arising from it and, and what you're doing with Chinese medicine to treat it.
1: Okay. First, let, just let me say what the pill does in Chinese medicine, because in order to diagno, diagnose post-pill syndrome, you have to, well, acknowledge that it exists. And right now, Western medicine does not acknowledge that it exists, because they haven't done any research into it, and most people find no fault with long-term usage of birth control pill.
2: Mm-hmm. But you did say that the functional medicine folks are finding some things going on here
1: and the Chinese medicine folk too. So in Chinese medicine, you have to understand that the pill is cold in nature. And so long-term usage of the pill, the first thing that it affects is the Mingmen fire, the fire of reproduction, the mother's essence. So you need the father's essence and the mother's essence to come together for conception to occur. So the pill originally works to prevent pregnancy by dampening or putting out the mother's
2: ministerial fire. Right, which is really the vital life force. That's a way to say it in plain English.
1: Right, which is okay for short-term use because it'll come back. But at a long-term usage, when you're constantly putting this cold nature of the pill in the body, then it starts affecting the kidneys. Then it starts affecting the heart. Then it starts affecting the liver and the spleen. And in Chinese medicine, what we see frequently, kidney deficiency, rebellious stomach qi, spleen qi deficiency, phlegm accumulation, disharmony of the chin and the wrongs.
2: Okay, I'm just going to back us up for just one hot second here, Mm -hmm. because this podcast is primarily for the general public. So these various things that you just mentioned, kidney deficiency, uh, stomach qi rising up, uh, phlegm, what kind of things would people be seeing in their regular everyday life? What are the the issues that just the regular person would go, huh, something's not right here, I don't know what to do about it?
1: So short term, what people see is often is a decreased libido, they see anxiety and depression arise, they see dizziness and lightheadedness, then they start seeing weight gain and fatigue and heart palpitations and loose stools, stomach aches and headaches. Those are common side effects at a short-term usage. Long-term, this is when we start seeing things like blood pressure issues arrive, high cholesterol, metabolic syndrome, uh, insulin resistance, fibromyalgia-type pains, and then the interesting one are the food allergies. So people start getting this, this um, food intolerances and food allergies arise. And then, diagnosis of infertility. Those we're seeing as long-term aspects in Chinese medicine. Now functional medicine is seeing the same thing, but the way that the functional medicine practitioners describe it is that All hormones, whether they're endogenous, whether our bodies make them, or whether they're added to our bodies through oral contraceptive pills or fertility treatments, any hormone that's in the body has to go through three phases of detoxification. They have to be transformed. They have to be conjugated. They have to be able to be used. And so what functional medicine is saying is that long-term usage of the birth control pill can disrupt any of the three phases. So two of those phases, phase one and phase two, happen in the liver. In Chinese medicine, that's the liver qi
2: stagnation that we're seeing. Right. And in Chinese medicine, we often see the liver as being extremely involved in the period and in the reproductive process.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Now, the third phase of detoxification that I find interesting happens in the small intestine. So as hormones are conjugated and metabolized, the body has to transform them into a usable source. The the body has to use the hormone in order for it to do what needs to be done. And it also has to excrete the metabolites. So there are harmful byproducts of hormone metabolism, which are other forms of hormone. So the body has to find a way to get rid of that. And the majority of it, the, the excretion happens through your urine, but the other part happens in the digestive tract and it happens in the small intestine. And you know, we keep getting this rise of what we call leaky gut syndrome, which is where there's an inflammatory response and so food particles are leaking out and the body is attacking them and setting up an autoimmune issue. So we're seeing a correlation between, in some people, long-term usage of the birth control pill and this rise in autoimmune diseases and leaky gut syndrome and that's because of the compromise in the phase three detoxification.
2: This is really interesting. I just put my Chinese medicine thinking hat on here. You talking about the pill being cold in nature mm-hmm. and you know, this whole Ming Mun fire is a really interesting concept. And and, and for our listeners here that, that may not be familiar with these concepts, stick with us here for a moment, because this could be an interesting piece of the conversation. So this Ming Mun fire, which is our basic vitality, right? right, from Chinese medicine point of view, there's been a lot of talk over the years about, well, just where is the Ming Mun and what is the Ming Mun and you know, it's an interesting theory, but what's the physical correlate? They talk about it sitting between the kidneys, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what the old classics say. Well, when you look physiologically at our bodies, what actually is sitting in between the kidneys? The small intestine.
1: This is true. There's a fire, and we, we correlate the the uh, the fire element with the small intestine. That's and, right. You know, I've never thought
2: about that either, but... That's true, yeah, so it's very interesting hearing about these long term side effects of oral contraceptives, both on the liver and the small intestine, and as you just so delightfully described, the the various metabolites and leaky gut and all these things, this all makes i mean this is like biochemistry, well, it's not one one, but it's you know but it's it's pretty common knowledge to anyone studying biochemistry these days, and here we have this beautiful way of absolutely correlating that with how they think about it in Chinese medicine.
1: What, and what's interesting is when I have this conversation with um, a lot of my friends who are gynecologists who just take for granted that the pill is prescribed for everything, and you know, when you ask your gynecologist, they will say, well, we don't look at the whole system. We don't, we don't know what it does holistically. We know it prevents pregnancy. We know that mistakenly it regulates your cycle. See, they still say that it regulates your menstrual cycle. So they're looking at, they're they're taking things that are natural. And I know we wanted to talk about this at one point, you know.
2: Well, this is a good time to jump into it.
1: Right. So they're treating the pill. You have to remember the pill is the first pharmaceutical invented ever for healthy people to take. So it's not treating anything. It's not fixing anything. So they developed this pharmaceutical that's given to a healthy person that's taken on a daily dosage. That, that's what they saw, but they don't look at whole systems. So if you take this pill on a daily basis long term, what's it going to do? Now we're using it to treat things, again, that are healthy. When young girls begin their menstrual cycle, of course it's going to be uncomfortable. Of course it's going to be painful. You may bleed inconsistently. You may get acne. The system is being flooded with hormones that it has to learn to use. So there's a learning curve. There's a learning process. It can take a few years. But what happens is now we're given this pharmaceutical, or we're giving it to young girls, saying, you know what? You don't have to go through this. This is inconvenient. So let's suppress it. And so we're suppressing the natural development of these young girls.
2: Hope you're enjoying the show. I'd love to know about what topics are of interest to you. If you have a health concern, or if you want to know specifics about how acupuncture can help to promote vibrant well-being, visit the website at www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and send an email. You know, this is a really key point. That we're suppressing the natural development. I mean, children are born, and it takes years, you know, for their organs to develop and, you know, to completely grow into themselves. And these things take time. You know, you don't see a bud on a tree go immediately into a seed, right? It slowly opens up and unfolds. There's the flower. there's, There's a whole process that nature takes in unfolding anything.
1: And that's the way life happens. That's the way our lives develop. You talked about in the beginning where we're going to start from the beginning of the menstrual cycle until menopause. That's what's happening is there's an unfoldment process. I know I'm jumping ahead right now to menopause, but in certain societies that are not... um, developed as we are you know menopause is when you become the wise woman you know in Chinese medicine we talk about the blood nourishing the heart it's no longer nourishing the uterus because reproduction is no longer necessary and when the blood nourishes the heart then then that's when the women in those societies become known as the wise women and that's one of the things that the pill again does is it is it stagnates that process and one of the things that that we're diagnosing menopause as now is just being hooked on estrogens we're calling it especially in functional medicine is being estrogen dependent or addicted to estrogen and so the body doesn't know what to do with it and this transformation into a smooth menopause can occur because these are natural processes and what we're doing is we're medicating a natural process. We're stopping it at, for convenience sake. And to go back to these young girls, you know, when we're looking at diagnosing a post-birth control or post-pill syndrome, it affects people differently. You know, one of the things that we're looking at it at is, what, at what age did you start taking this oral contraceptive pill? You know, if you started taking it at 12 and 13 years old, The brain is not developed yet. And a study came out just last month, and I think the headline of it was, birth control pill affects brain development. So if you are suppressing the development of certain areas of the brain at age 12, it's different than a 28-year-old taking a birth control pill. You're taking these people at the prime of a developmental process, and you're halting it. So what is happening? We don't know yet. But when we're looking to diagnose or treat the side effects of these pills, the most important thing we look at is at what age do you start taking these hormones and then how much and how long you've been taking it.
2: So you're seeing correlations in your clinical practice between when women started taking the pill and how long they've been taking it and uh, fertility issues that they might be having.
1: Right. We are. And one of the things that we talked about a lot at the symposium is it's common for a woman to go to her gynecologist and say I mean we see it all the time I've been on the birth control pill for 10 years is it affecting my fertility at all and the common response is when you go off that pill within three months you're gonna be back to normal but here's the problem these people were being put on the pill because they never were allowed to become normal They were arrested at a developmental stage. So when you put on a pill at age 12, 13, 14, 15, or 16, and you're having irregular menstrual cycles, your body is trying to adjust to these hormones. And you go off the pill,
2: you're going to go back to where you were. You're not going to all of a sudden be normal. Right. So the whole reproductive system hasn't had a chance to grow mature harmonize and regulate itself yet.
1: Right. Exactly right. And so people think that what they've had for the last 20 years was normal. They don't even know. There's something that we're talking about called body literacy. And I don't know about in your clinic, but when people come to be treated for, for infertility, the majority of them don't even know about their menstrual cycle because, again, they haven't had one. They haven't had one. there, and you, you will see patients who have never in their entire life had a normal functioning menstrual cycle because it's been suppressed their entire life. I mean, the majority of people right now who are coming to get pregnant are 32 and above. A lot of them are 38. So age 38 to 42 are the majority of the patients that I'm seeing. And these are patients who started a birth control pill at age fifteen, at age fourteen. And now they're going off of that pill and their cycle is not returning to what they consider normal. But they've never had they've never a had cycle. normal right. Yeah. So now the body has to take time to process all of these hormones that they've been putting in their body for the last 20 years, and it has to get rid of them. It has to get rid of the byproducts. And at this point is when that whole detoxification process is usually not functioning properly because enzymes that are required, nutrients that are required for for it to happen have been depleted. So we know in Western medicine that the pill depletes certain nutrients and it depletes certain enzymes, but those happen to be the nutrients and enzymes that are needed to actually excrete the harmful hormones, the metabolites. And so we're left with a patient who's been diagnosed with infertility because, you know, right now the diagnosis of infertility is you've been trying to get pregnant for a year unsuccessfully. We also know that in Chinese medicine, you know, there's, a, there's kind of a theory that for every year something has existed, you need a month of treatment. So the way I look at it is if you've been on a pill for 20 years, you're looking at 20 months to become regular again. Now, we as natural medicine practitioners can speed up that process by supplementation, by acupuncture, by Chinese herbs. But if a person is going to do it on their own, if you've been on this pharmaceutical for twenty years on your own without doing anything, it's gonna probably take twenty, twenty-four months before your body self-regulates. But all of a sudden you're diagnosed with infertility at twelve months. Well and
2: if you're 38 years old, you're
1: getting nervous. You are getting nervous. Right. So that's why we developed a preconception planning program. <laughs> Instead of treating infertility, start educating people what are things you can do before preconception to start getting your body prepared? But that's getting off topic.
2: Well, yeah, and we may get back to some of that, but I want to bring us back to something very evocative that you said, that that hormones have not just a physical effect, but can have an emotional and, dare we even say, spiritual effect on consciousness. So talk to us a bit about what you're seeing in your work with how these synthetic hormones affect a woman on these other levels.
1: Okay, and that's very good because actually this is the reason I started getting involved with the pill in the first place. So years ago when, uh, and we're talking 13, 14 years ago when I started treating infertility and patients started coming to me to get pregnant And the first thing that they do is go off of this oral contraceptive pill. What we started noticing is their moods changed, emotions changed, the way that they felt. So people would over and over say, you know, I feel different than I've ever felt in my entire life, which generally was better. But the scary part came when over and over patients would say, but I'm no longer attracted to my partner. I no longer feel attracted. I would have patients say, I don't want to be in the same room with my partner. I don't like the way that my partner smells anymore. And so patients started coming in really torn.
2: That's freaky stuff.
1: It's freaky stuff. But we also now have the science behind it saying, there's been plenty of studies out there showing, and I'm going to tell you three headlines because these are my favorite. These are headlines that have been in the news over the last year, um, studies. The first one is birth control pills have lasting effects on relationships. So we know that when you suppress the luteinizing hormone in FSH, it affects oxytocin levels. Oxytocin is the hormone that the body excretes for bonding to occur. We know that when women become stressed, they excrete oxytocin. That makes them want to bond. It makes them want to bond to other women. That's how the ya sisterhood came to be. Women get stressed, oxytocin is released, they want to bond. Men, when men get stressed, testosterone is released. So testosterone is a direct antagonist to oxytocin. So a man gets stressed, testosterone is released, they do not want to bond. They want to be alone. They want to separate.
2: They want quiet. They want to figure it out. This is some classic stuff in male-female relationships. This is nothing new here, right? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? Right, except, do you remember when I went back and I said you start
1: taking that pill and women start, start uh, excreting more testosterone? Yes. That testosterone makes them act more like men. That affects their relationship. We're finding that it makes them not want to bond. It makes them more antagonistic. It makes them more uh, kind of angry.
2: A little, maybe even a little more independent.
1: Right. So we're seeing that pill can affect relationships at work and in the family. Now, the other one that I love.
2: Now, hang on a second. I just want to double check that I'm following this correctly. OK, okay. I'm going to make a conjecture here and and I want to see if this holds water. So if a woman meets a man and she's on the pill. Mm-hmm. She's got a certain emotional makeup that is, in a sense, being driven by the pill. So a certain kind of man is going to be attractive to her. She comes off the pill. That emotional, how do I say, the emotional flux, the emotional balance. Yeah, we'll say it this way. The emotional balance changes. Now she's attracted to someone different.
1: Some other type of man. Yes. Now that was going to take me to the next headline, actually, because what I was talking about is effects on relationships. Doesn't necessarily have to be a sexual or your primary relationship, but every relationship how you respond in times of stress, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, whether it be in public. But this next headline is, is one of my favorites. Birth control pills make ugly men hot.
2: <laughs> was this off Cosmopolitan or something? I, it's, it's. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I think it was Psychology
1: Today. I'm pretty sure it psychology makes today. ugly
2: men hot. Okay,
1: makes ugly men hot.
2: Break this down for us
1: again. We're going to go back to what you just said, and you were alluding to it. So, when a woman, and th- now we're going to go into biology, and you know, again, this I'm going to go ahead and say this is very controversial. There are people saying that we are more than our biology, which is where consciousness studies will come in later. But we are more than our biology.
2: But we're also our biology.
1: We're also our biology. So I'm going to stop here and explain something real quick. Women cheat just as much as men. We know that 50% of women cheat and 50% of men cheat on relationship. What women don't realize is that when they're having a natural hormonal cycle, that biology, biologically, you become attracted to different types of people during that hormonal flux. So when luteinizing hormone, when ovulation occurs, women become more attracted to men who will give them the best offspring. These are usually square jawed, very masculine men. So they, be, they tend to be attracted to those men during ovulation. And then after ovulation, they're attracted to the caregivers because evolutionary, we wanted to have the healthiest child but then have the caregiver help raise the child. So after ovulation, women tend to be attracted to more of a round-faced, more feminine-type man who is a better caregiver. When you suppress these hormones... We're finding that with the birth control pill, women are becoming more attracted to kind of the more feminine caregiver type of guy. But then and they're not necessarily ugly, by the way. They're just not the type of men that that tend to be the aggressive masculine form. So about a year and a half ago we started terming this pill goggles. You've heard of beer goggles. <laughs> Exactly, uh, baseball players in Atlanta gave me that term because we were laughing. You know, these are hypermasculine guys that every woman wants to be with and every man wants to be, typically speaking. You know, they're very attractive. They go out, they get the they get the women. So, what they started talking about is we started giving them the idea or telling them that we're doing research into who women are attracted to. And that the pill can change it. And so they're like, hey, we have beer goggles. You know, we will have a few drinks and then find people attractive that we generally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. What you're telling me is there's a pill goggle. Women on the pill will find people attractive that they generally wouldn't. So we have the science to show this. We know that it exists. We know that when you're taking a birth control pill and you come off of it, it may change the type of person that you're attracted to. Now, it goes deeper than that. What they're finding now is that we're talking about in the infertility treatment, in, in an infertility lab, we can now pick out the, the, the genetically strongest embryo because we're seeing a lot of infertility due to genetics being incompatible. Well, one of the newest studies show that, you know, one of the ways that we seek out a mate is through smell mm-hmm. and pheromones and that you become attracted to a mate that is genetically different from you through the smell so that you can create a good, strong, genetically healthy child.
2: And this is powerful. I mean, I know in my own personal life, and I suspect many of our listeners, it's sometimes kind of embarrassing to state the truth of this, but sometimes there's people that we're actually in many ways so incompatible with but you get around them, and you catch their scent, and forget it, man, you're gone.
1: Right, yeah. right. Well, we know that now taking a birth control pill changes that. It changes the way that you perceive scents. And a lot of times, it makes people go and choose a genetically incompatible mate, which can set a person up for infertility. This is all new, and it's all controversial, but we have studies that, that show that this may be happening. And, um, you know, we talked about how people treat you. My favorite of all the studies happened in New Mexico. And the headline of that was, ovulatory cycles affect tip earnings in lap dancers. And what they found was they followed this group of lap dancers and strippers. And they divided them into strippers who took a birth control pill and strippers who didn't. And strippers who took a birth control pill consistently made the same amount of money dancing, so there was no change. Mm -hmm. Naturally cycling strippers made twice as much money. Ovulating strippers made even more. So during ovulation, because of the changes that occur, that, you know, your lips swell, your voice um, becomes higher, your, um, your color changes, your smell changes, that men respond to that differently. Now, and that they made more money. Now, there can be all kinds of, uh, of, of things that went wrong, and we need to do some more studies. But basically, what it's showing is that the pill suppresses the natural cycles. People who cycle naturally have different relationships. They perceive the world, and the world perceives them differently than a person who doesn't. And that's where we're going now with the studies. Instead of just looking at the physical health, how does hormones or taking hormones change the way in which you perceive your reality and the way in which people around you perceive you? And it's really interesting.
2: This is really fundamental stuff. It is. This is all like way below the level of consciousness stuff.
1: It's way below the level of consciousness. And now once we start bringing in the consciousness studies with it, you, you know, there will be ways in which you, you can recognize, you know, Again, if you go back to women being attracted to different types of men during different parts of the cycle, I will have women coming into my clinic who feel extremely shameful, who feel extremely guilty because they find someone other than their husband attractive. No one has ever told them that it's normal. You know, we're going back to body literacy. Mm. When a person when a person realizes or is told that the way that their body, their mind, and their spirit is affected during hormonal shifts is normal, then they can consciously decide and make better choices instead of letting the biology rule. A lot of times when people cheat, the biology rules. They don't realize that they're having a normal reaction to a coworker or a normal reaction to a stranger on the street, and therefore they can say, you know what, this is biologically... The way that I'm set up, I do not have to step outside of my relationship. They can recognize
2: it's happening and, and just roll with it. And roll with it and bring in the consciousness. So this, is, this gets into some stuff, you know, as, as a man, I learned a long time ago to, uh, if I want to get along with women... To kind of watch my mouth a little bit, right? So saying things like women are flighty or you know women have trouble with decisions or you know women can't make up their mind, or they change their mind at the drop of a hat. Well, mm-hmm. I think most men recognize that this is the case. and And I suspect that most women maybe recognize about this themselves as well, if they've got that body literacy. You're talking about something here at a very profoundly biological level that says, this is just kind of baked into us. It's not good or bad. I mean, we can take our own cultural or personal views and put it on that. But it sounds like there's some really deep, deep biology here, and maybe some deep, you know, wisdom from life itself that's driving this stuff. There
1: is. You know, I'm thinking now while while, while we're talking about this is because, you know, I've I was raised by a lot of women and I was surrounded um, by a lot of women so I am probably more feminine than most men so you can probably answer you know I can I resonate I understand I I can see how women act and and, in in it and I can feel it so you know I understand women way better than I understand men so I can't talk about this kind of male female relationship Mm. and how they how it how it's different but what what you just reminded me of is um here while we were doing the integrative fertility symposium right next door was a transgender health symposium which i found extremely interesting
2: so this just kind of happened that these two symposiums got booked for the same
1: different venues right next door different right. venues
2: right next door
1: so if you want to know about how hormones affect physical, mental, emotional and spiritual, go to the transgender community because the doctors in the transgender community, they tell their patients, when I give you this hormone, it's going to affect who you're attracted to. You know, there'll be patients who who have had the same partner for 20, 30, 40 years and they start taking these hormones and they're no longer attracted to their partner. You know, we don't tell women this. We just say it's going to change your period. But it's the exact same hormone that you can take and change a man into a woman. And it will change who they're attracted to. And it's these doctors that are actually explaining to people that, you know, we're not just changing you physically. We're not just making you from looking like a man to a woman. It's going to change everything about you, and when you want to see how hormones affect someone, read the blogs of these people who are transitioning, and it t- they will tell you it changes how you feel, how you see the world, who you're attracted to, who's attracted to you. There's definitely the change in the physical is going to change who is attracted to you, but these people are talking on a fundamental level how it's changing everything about them, and it's very interesting.
2: It's fascinating. So their own perception of who they are, their own sort of emotional makeup that they identify with, this is me, Mm -hmm. it changes.
1: It changes. But they get the warning. You know, they're told by their doctor. The gynecologist is not telling these girls and these women that, you know, long-term usage of this is going to change you fundamentally. But we know
2: it. And a lot of people don't recognize it then, of course, until they come off of it. And now they're confronted with... Life seems really different, and I don't even recognize myself. It,
1: and that's what we see all the time in the clinic. And it's really sad when, it's, when they're coming off of it because they're with a partner that they've been with for 20 years, and now they want to raise a family, and they come off of this drug, and they no longer want to be with their partner.
2: Wow, profound. A little while back, we had a conversation, and you recommended a book called Sweetening the Pill, which, which I did read. It's fascinating. As a man, of course, I I don't, a lot of this stuff I don't know. These aren't conversations that I have, you know, with my women friends. And honestly, I realized that they're conversations that maybe I should have had in my clinic, but I didn't even know to have them. And one of the things that really struck me in, in women's descriptions of coming off the pill was how they felt more like themselves. That there's these whole aspects of who they kind of remember they might have been when they were younger. But a cloud came over it when they took the pill. And when they came off the pill, they had this like more three-dimensional experience of who they were. Their creativity came back. Their depression went away. They had energy for the things that they were interested in. Um, Sometimes they would take off on new careers or – I mean – a whole aspect of life seemed to come back.
1: We hear that all of the time, all the time. And, you know, I gave you, I I recommended you read that book because I've been consulting on the, the documentary that's being made from that book. And as we do, or the producer and the director and Holly, who wrote the book, does research into how the pills affecting people and they're interviewing people all over the world, that's what we're consistently hearing over and over and over again, that when I come off of this medication, I return back to a place that I once was. There's a part of me that I had forgotten about and that they're saying that, you know, they feel life more fully. So it's something that we keep
2: hearing over and over. I'm curious, and, and again, this is just going to be there's no well, maybe you do have studies behind this. I don't know. Do you see any correlation or pattern between women coming off the pill and then deciding that they don't need their antidepressant anymore, or or they don't need an anxiety drug as much anymore?
1: All the clinically, all the time, we see it all the time. So that's one of the things that I look at when people are on antidepressants or anxiety medications or migraine medications or medications for allergies and in digestive issues. So I look, I always look at how long they've been on um, hormonal birth control or the pill, and when they started. And that's one of the first things that we do is we get them off. We get them off of it because again, the majority of them are not on it for birth control. They were just given it. They were told to take it. And so we get them off the pill, and then I'll do some Chinese medicine or functional medicine detoxification protocol for about 28 days. And then we start getting them off of their anxiety medication or their, their depression medication. Sometimes the anxiety and depression is relieved as soon as they're off of the birth control pill. So clinically, we see it a lot. Whether or not there's studies, I don't know. But will there be studies? I can guarantee there are going to be a lot more studies now about the hormonal birth control because people want to know now. In the past, it was just taken for granted, but now... People were saying, "Hold! wait a minute, we've been taking this and given this and told that there are no side effects, but now we're curious and we want to know. So the people want their power back. They want to be themselves. They want to feel good. And so they're now questioning a drug in which they take on a daily basis. And, you know, we don't even have time to bring up these long-acting uh, birth control methods.
2: Well, I realize we're actually close to out of time, and we have only barely begun to touch into this consciousness piece. So I'd love it if you're up for it. Let's have you back on the show again sometime in the near future and and delve into that piece of it. I would love
1: to. Again, that's the next uh, lecture that I'm about to write, and I'm going to take a writing retreat next month and, and take a, a couple of weeks and, and kind of really solidify this, and I'd be glad to come back and talk about it.
2: After you've done that retreat, let's get you back on the show while it's all, while it's like fresh, super fresh. I mean, if you're up for that and, uh, and, and we'll delve into it then. In the meantime, a couple things. I, first of all, I want to let everybody know that's listening that the things that we've talked about, this book, Sweetening the Pill, this movie. What's the name of the movie?
1: The the name of it is sweetening the pill.
2: Sweetening the pill. Okay, I'll have links to all of that on the show notes page, so we don't need to go into that in detail at the moment. Uh, Keith, could you give us your website real quick, and I'll be sure to put that up on the show notes too.
1: Uh, the website is www.orientalmedicinespecialists, with an S, dot com. So orientalmedicinespecialists.com. And I'm in Richmond, Virginia, so if you've gone kind of to Google Keith Bell in Richmond, Virginia, the website will come up.
2: Perfect. Great. Uh, any closing comments that you would have for our listeners who are either uh, dealing with fertility issues or maybe now, curious about the effects of the pill and want to uh, get some more information. Well, you
1: know, I think my closing comment is, and this goes for you too, is that nearly all of this can be treated naturally. So... If you're having side effects and you suspect a post-pill syndrome, it can be there are things to do to resolve it. If your child is having issues or, or discomfort when they're starting a menstrual cycle, natural healthcare practitioners have a lot that can remedy those issues without suppressing the natural system. So, you know, there's a lot that can be done by seeing a naturopath, an acupuncturist, a functional medicine practitioner to actually help the body utilize hormones efficiently. So. There are ways to go about it. There, there, there are treatments to help. You do not have to go in the direction of suppressing the body's, own, the, the body's natural processes. I hope the listeners get something out of this. I hope I answered your questions or at least ignited a little curiosity amongst the listeners so that they will go out and do their own research and into these subjects, but I'm excited that you have this show, and I'm glad to be here, and I thank you for having me on it.
2: Keith, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week.